G'day guys, it is The Coach and we are talking all things Caradron Overlords and this is surprisingly, when I looked at my channel, how few shows I've actually done on KO. So uh, that that uh, had to be rectified and I do have our good friend, the Sky Pirate, the Sky Admiral, the... Uh, what, what do you call yourself these days? Uh, this is Ken Cron, uh, people, man, man who needs no introductions. This guy knows KO like the back of his hand. But what do you call yourself these days? I think they call me Thunder down, from Down Under now uh, on, on Ethercast at the moment. The Thunder Down Under. So Ken Cron is somebody under. who has has played Carriage and Overlord since day one. And unlike most people who shelved them when they were in their, their crappy stage, um, you persisted. You persisted. You did really well. You took them almost to the grand final of CanCon, which was at the time 200, 220 players. So considering this was at uh, Caradron Overlord's worst, um, you know, sh big shout out to you, someone who knows this army. Well, it's the army I started the game with. It's, 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 it's the army that got me started in AOS, and it's the army that I want to keep doing basically I've gotten distracted with side projects, but KO are my main focus, always. Why? What? Why this army? Because for me, I don't understand the appeal of KO. I, I look at this and I go, I, look, I'm not really a steampunk kind of guy. I'm not into that type of thing. So let's set the scene. Let's imagine I was a new player or someone who was looking to get into KO because of their power, because I like dwarves, because I like technology. What I drew mean, you and is keeping you in, in this army? I mean, just, it's, mostly it's just the models, like the boats. Basically, it's the boats. I love boats. I love flying contraptions and playing, like, the Magitech and Steampunk. Um, so you give me a, an army that's, that, where the main focus is, giant airships with balloons and broadsides coming off and little crew hanging. You can see a guy painting the side and you can see a guy on the top beyond the crow's nest. Like it's just the entire aesthetic. And then you've got the, yeah, the, the steam suits. Um, that's, that's what I'm here you're, for. You're just, just a buyer. You're just a buyer. You just absolutely love the aesthetics. You love the play style um, and you're going to make it work. It's just, uh, yeah, no, that's all right. Look, Sometimes you can play them, play them just out of the book. Whatever works, I'll, I'll make them. I'll make them. I'll make something happen. Yeah, and look, you know they're they're a very interesting army, right? They uh, they're very shooty. Uh, they don't have a lot of melee. They've got obviously transports. It's something that really nobody else has in Age of Sigma. Yeah. You've got some very interesting kind of aesthetics. It's very unique to the KO. It's either you love them or you hate them. You fight. There is very little middle ground kind of for this army. Um, and when they work, they work really well. When they don't work, uh, you're in for a bad time. I, I understand. on 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 the on the um on the battlefield, there's a lot of uh, people have very mixed opinions. Yeah, with the, you love them or you hate them. If you're standing on one side of them, it's usually good. If you're on, if you're on the receiving end of a of a bad double turn, it's it's a pretty negative player experience. They're in a real like tricky spot. Um, just I, it's a good army, but it's sometimes too good. 
So talk to me about where they stand in the current meta. Um, a lot of people have had nightmares about KO. Um, you obviously got a new book, um, start of 2020. Where do you yeah. guys stand and, and what's working for you right now? Um, so I'd say that right now we're, we're in a really good spot. We've got probably the most important part in AOS, which is maneuverability. Our army can be wherever it wants, whenever it wants, and even without the boats. They, you, you can get your balloon guys to move 18 inches a turn, and your, the ground dwarves, your, all your infantry is moving 10 inches a turn. It, it will surprise you with how quickly it will just jump from objective to objective and go from a single solid uh, gun line into board control. Um, yeah. oh, uh, You've really got the movement. Like when it comes to movement in, in the army, like you guys are just straight up like dominant, right? You know, I remember playing a game a couple of months ago at a tournament play. Unfortunately, I got matched up with Scorched Earth and my, my poor old Gargans have literally no bodies and you just like go zip, fly high, sit on the objective, burn it got a couple of people jumping on the boat and and for me i'm just like what how do i handle this right you know especially for a mega gargan army that has no screens yeah it's the screens i think is the huge the, it's 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 the rock paper scissors element if you're playing against an army without screens your rock will beat their beat their scissors when an army has screens you you can really control the battlefield more control where the ko go it gives you a better uh, it makes the game more even, but when, yeah, when you get that unfortunate matchup, um, yeah, and they all, obviously they have the fire, the damage output to do to uh, to to like compare with like Daughters of Cain or Seraphon, like they can nuke armies off the board if they're built. Where, where, where is the power coming from? And by the way, guys, uh, we are going to talk about the rules very soon. We're going to go through how the rules are feeding into Alex's um, list building. And we recently went to a tournament where, would you go, did you go four and one or did you go three and two at Vic GT? Uh, four and one. Lost my last one against that, uh, the, the Broken Realms Daughters list that was still floating around at that point. Yeah, the F the the pre uh, they were on the old book uh, because of the delay FAQ. So um, you know you you've done quite well for over a long period of time. Where where is the strength of the book coming from right now? Um, so there's a lot of like a lot of the, you can build it in a lot of different ways. But for me personally, I I think the strength comes from the um the maneuverability that you get out of ironclads and gun haulers. And then the firepower that you can get from Thunderers. That, that's that's the that's the 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 hard power. But the the way you win games, I think, with this book is with Arcanauts and the Sky Riggers, the Balloon Boys, to actually take the objectives once you've um, done in, done done the damage. Yeah, it's, you know, KO has gone through different waves where, you know, the Ironclad's been really strong. There's been a time where it was all about having 30 balloon boys on the table or just filling up the board with engine riggers. Um, there's been thunderers. Like, you know, you've kind of had different waves of what's working. And whenever I see KO right now, it's all about the boats. It's all about the boats. It used to be more of a – I remember it was – 
KO used to be more of, if you're looking at maybe 40k comparisons, it used to be a Tau army, a gun line of Arcanauts and Thunderers with a little bit of battle, a little bit of teleporting in the back and kind of distracting the opponent. But it was mostly a, 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 a standing block that just shot and shot and shot. Now it's more like Dark Elder who will teleport around, find the weak spots of your army, and take those out um, kind of more like a scaffold. It's still um, shoot, shoot, shoot. It's still shooting. Like you, you couldn't punch yourself shooting. out. Of, you couldn't punch yourself out of a wet paper bag, KO. Uh, well, I don't know if they even. I don't even have they. I don't even know if they have a melee profile, dude. In, interesting, you say that because second list we're looking at today is gonna gonna rock your socks off. Oh, I can't wait. We are going to talk two lists. We're going to talk the one that went four and one at Vic GT. We'll talk about some of the things you've been learning. Obviously, we can talk about the meta. We can talk about how you're currently responding. You know, we've got, I think for me right now, KO is in a really good spot to handle the most competitive armies right now. You know, you've got Seraphon with Lord Croak and friends sitting at the behind the scenes. You've got uh, Techless. You've got Nagash. You've got... How do you go with Archeon, actually? Like, a lot of these supercasters who are sitting in a castle, you've got the long range, you've got the mortal wounds, you've got the, the shooting consistencies that take them down. How do you guys go with Archeon? Actually, I, never, I didn't even think about that. Archeon, you got to kind of... You, you, it, 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 you, you need a double turn to deal with him. Double turn will kill Archeon. But a if you don't get it, you need to kind of bait him into attacking the unit that... Uh, that uh, you can like put a bunch of debuffs on him, and even Arkin's not going to do well with a Nake two to hit. Which you'll yeah. usually survive one turn. Ko will survive one turn, no matter what. One turn, <laughs> using their their rollable saves and their negatives to hit, and you, you can you can pile on a bunch of buffs and live. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, it, it's very much like I know with my Mega Gargans when I've played them, it's just rushing you as quick as possible, trying to take you down as quick as possible. I know I, I can punch the crap out of you and you won't like it. But on the flip side, you have that shooting output that if you get that double turn, it's lights out. Yeah, uh, it's so I've, I think I like to build the list as a kind of. Um, if I get the double turn, I win. If I don't get the double turn, I uh, it, we like we, we can play a game. It's not great, and I know it's and I know it's not great. I know it's it makes for bad bad experiences. And I Ko is not MPE. They're not. They're, it's not a negative player That's experience. We're totally talking fun. About. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm one of the SA players. Gabe with Slave of Darkness. I'm sure you can tell you all about how much fun Ko can be. So um, no, they they are genuinely can you can make you can still make a t completely fun army out of them. I'm just a ticket. <laughs> so let me play devil's advocate here, and um, because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this trying to think about how they handle Ko. Right, you're a part of the Aether Cast uh, cast, so you're on like a, a regular podcast about Carriage and Overlords. And KO is one of those armies that really frustrate your opponent. So there are going to be people who are listening to this, this show who are either thinking about how do I beat KO or there's somebody who is playing uh, in, a, in a competition and maybe they go to their local store 
and potentially some people aren't enjoying their games against KO. So I might play a little bit of devil's advocate here as well to understand, you know, like how do you beat KO? Um, you know, what are the, some of the weaknesses that we can exploit to at least feel like we've got uh, a good chance, right? Because I think sometimes we we go down list building. I know, you know, in, in one particular game I had against KO, um, you can really disarm a castle, right? You know, you've got so much shooting. You know, I, I could have lookout sir till the cows come home, but because you've got so many ways to increase the consistency and the output of damage from afar, you can disarm those castles very quickly, which can be a strength and a curse. Yeah. Um, so if you're playing against KO, what you really need to look out for is you need to screen. You need to screen properly. You need to have little chaff units of 10... 10, 10 models or a squad, like ether wing models um, who can who can be fast and who you can in, in your deployment zone set up in front of your army and make sure that the, the KO aren't going to um, jump behind you and hit you from the rear um, or be, can't get to your casters. Um, the big thing about KO, most of their shooting, most of their damage will be at 12 inches like they have some 18 inch range guns they've got some 24 they've got some 36 and they if they get really lucky a pot shock might knock off a character but where they're really doing the damage is 12 inches that's where the thunder special weapons are that's where the ironclads um two damage broadsides are um that's where the the riggers like three shotguns are um that's that, you combine that with the with their with the most used sub faction of KO is Zilfin. That lets you move after the hero phase. We can go into this a bit more, but KO will be three inches in front of your your front screen, and will then try to shoot twelve inches over that screen. So a lot of people will that maybe not um, recognize how just how far this range like you can get that range to go. And keep their characters. They, they'll they'll go nine inches from their front screen and deploy twelve inches or thirteen inches behind that, and then the K will jump forward and hit. What you need is your your units need to be nine inches, uh, just over nine inches from the front of your screen. If you do that, KO will put in a couple of pot shots, but your your big damaging units will be alive, and then you can counter attack and hit and really do a lot of damage. Once you get to Ren 2, there's not much, even re-rollable save thunder is just going to pop. And I think that's the challenge, right, is when when I'm uh, screening potentially, right, a lot of players will always be thinking about the 9 inches, right? Whenever a teleport or a setup happens, you got to be outside of 9 inches. But that 9 inches is still enough for you because 12 inches is the magic number it still uh, has the ability to take down those critical characters. And because you can use your Aether Gold to be able to re-roll saves or re-roll uh, shooting attacks, um, that then really allows you to ignore lookout sirs, to be able to, um, yeah, like like you're basically going to take them down. So what I'm hearing is the magical number is 12. It's going to be finding chaff to kind of push you push you back as far as possible. Things like pre-game moves pushing again out. Um, anything you can do, even you know, pushing your heroes back a lot further than you normally would, so that you're keeping them out of that juicy twelve that you really want. 
Yeah, I mean, the game I, I lost uh, in, in, in the latest tournament, it was a fantastic game against these daughters, but his whole first turn, he had his entire board mapped out with these nine-inch rulers to make sure that there was no way I could teleport anywhere in his table zone. And in his, in his first turn, he pushed out, he used Lorchen not to push up Morathi, but to push up more uh, Sisters of Slaughter, just to like, go, I could not teleport anywhere beyond the halfway point on that table. And I had to basically spend, waste an entire turn just shooting all of this firepower into nothing but Sisters of Slaughter and pop free wounds on Morathi. Um, Ideneth are in a really good position to do this with their with their eels, their two of yeah. eels. I, um, you get a proper screen of of the of the defensive eels. I'm just going to spend all of first turn just bouncing off that, killing one maybe two squads, and then you can counter attack with your hammer. I think once you've been burnt by KO once, you then start to learn the lesson. But I think hearing again, as I mentioned, I'll play devil's advocate here to understand that KO doesn't like taking a punch. Um, it's about screening and it's knowing those numbers. Yeah, it's really important to know the thing that gets everyone is that you t the KO will teleport nine inches away and then they will move. And they can move three inches away from your front screen. That's that's where a lot of the... the, the, the like, all this alpha strike comes from that ability to just deep strike and move it's a it's a really point sufficient ability as the bendigo guys would say it <laughs> well let's talk about the rules let's talk about my allegiance abilities being a ko player and i'm going to get a lot of things um available to me so i guess from from your side of the fence you know the first thing i'm going to get is the sky ports right which is the sub allegiance um mm -hmm. i i can choose to take a sub allegiance or I can create my own, and that allows me to create uh, uh, the code, right? I can choose an amendment. I can choose, you know, a, a, an article and things like that. What do you it's think a, about the various barracks? Are, are they all compa uh, playable right now? Are there some that are just better than others? Like, what's your observations of the barrack versus even creating my own? So we've 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 talked a lot about this on Ethercast, actually, going over the, all the individual barracks. Um, but, uh, as an overview, I think the most competitive right now is Zilfin, because that's the one that gives you that teleport move. That's, uh, it, that's the one that lets you do the, like, maximum alpha strike, get a, get a, uh, spell in a bottle out there, get all this damage happening wherever you need it. Um, Barak, uh, Urbaz, I think. Urbaz is... Good. It's interesting. It's more defensive. It's kind of the opposite of Zilfin. It, it'll, it'll. That's the one who wants to sit back and take some hits. Um, and it, it's uh, most of them are kind of in that. Uh, they're good. They're just unfortunately not as good as Zilfin. So the, Zon has got some really good builds. Urbaz, Mornar is good. Um, Nar, Barak Nar and Barak Thring are kind of. All right. There's not much you can do with Nar. Fring, you can have some fun by putting some fire slayers and uh, go trek in, and get getting more of that combat potential happening with lots of minimum squads. Um, and making your own skyport—that's that's more of your your fluffy choice, your uh, narrative option. 
So when you're having fun with friends at home, you want to you, you you painted your skyport up as your own skyport, and you want to play in a narrative battle like to explore the story of that skyport. That's kind of what you're going for. I love it, Cron and narrative. So what, why is Zilfin? Why is it the, the teleport move or that that free additional move for Zilfin just so important to you? Uh, it 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 just it breaks so many core rules of the game that like it, the, the the game is kind of um almost balanced around this you can like armies can teleport but they're always going to be nine inches you've always has to make that hail mary nine inch charge you can increase it with abilities you can use the cogs you can use characters but it's always going to be off of that nine inches and that it, you can screen out that nine inches it's really easy to see if you put rulers down, they aren't going to be in this area, and um, like long range, we long range weapons, they they need to be nine inches. Then your screen, then your thing behind it. So it's um, that's how everyone else plays. And then Zilfin throws that whole book out and goes, "Ah, oh, but what if we just went nine inches away from them, then moved?" Went nine inches yeah. away, put our thunderers up, teleported the airship again, somewhere on the other side of the table. Now I've got two bases of power that are um, block, like, like blocking you in, or I've got this one gigantic clump of just that that's three inches away from your screen, shooting what it wants. So in the chat there, yeah. there's there's some there's some interesting points coming out of the chat here, and one of them's coming out from Jeff, Jeffrey talking about KO is is a lot about movement, right? And because you don't have a lot of bodies on the board traditionally, especially when you put those bodies in a boat, um, they're they're quite vulnerable to movement mistakes. You know, either flying high or not flying high, positioning yourself uh, in the wrong spots. Um, is that a fair assessment, especially as a new player, really trying to learn where to move around the table, what to expect, not to put yourself in a negative position that maybe you overcommit or undercommit and then your opponent gets a double turn and kind of takes you out? Um, is, that a, is that a fair yeah. assessment of KO? I, I think it does. Ha it still has a bit of a high skill ceiling. Uh, a problem that you'll have, find you'll have, especially if you're teleporting a lot of boats around, KO don't have that many bodies. So often, once you teleport, um, you'll be you'll have the boat where you want it, and it'll shoot, and then it'll be completely this isolated, vulnerable thing that can be surrounded and killed. Especially, uh, and if if you're doing if you're playing not Zilfin, uh, if a boat teleports, the unit that's inside won't be able to get out because it can't get out on the same turn it teleports. And if you catch a Caradron Overlord boat with a unit in it, you surround that boat, you kill the boat, unit can't get out, whole unit disappears. If you had, a, if you had 20 Thunderers in a boat, too bad, that's 500 points just lost, plus characters. So does that make matchups like Iron Jaws and uh, things like Stonehorns, for example, armies that can turn one charge and they can pack a real punch when they charge, is that a real threat to, to KO? Uh, if you're not screening, push definitely. I, I've had, I've, I've tried running lists without screens. I've had, what my usual tactic is, I'll put the ironclad kind of in the bottom corner of the map 
here. Um, and now I start surrounding it with some with some Arconauts. Before, I thought, right, it's at the bottom. It's as far away from everything as it can possibly be. Surely nothing's going to reach there. Suddenly, this terror guy comes out of nowhere. Smack! Ironclad dead in once turn after like 12 mortal wounds and a couple normal hits. All the thunder's gone. I'm like, well, that was a nice one-turn game. Rematch? No, it was... If you can, yeah. if you can catch them out, They'll die real quick. Which is why, again, positioning is going to be so important. And Lee, uh, your co-host on Aethercast, made a really good point as well, is that, you know, one of the big issues of KO is that it can be quite easy for an opponent to screen an objective off. So while you have the shooting power to take somebody down, um, you can find yourself in a position losing victory points because the opponent has been scoring. And, traditionally KO doesn't have a lot of bodies. You know, a lot of points are invested in those in those boats and boats only count for one, right? And, you know, you're running minimal minimal bodies because you normally can't take a lot in a boat. Yeah, that's usually you'll have t- maybe 10 guys in a boat. 10 guys that can't get out once the boat's teleported. So um if you have like a, a unit just sitting generally around this objective, the boat won't be able to teleport onto the objective, or if it can, it'll be one model. You've got two models. You've got like uh, they they require two turns basically to take an objective. So you can yeah. you can easily just outscore them. Um, especially, I'm like always it- scared of models uh, armies with a ton of models. Like against my Mega Gargans, for example, the only way you can beat me is to take me down. Like there's no world where you've got 20 bottle bodies taking over one of my objectives that a Mega Gargan's got, let alone if I was take a tribe and I had 30 bodies to an objective. No. Most I'm ever going to get is 20. Mm. So I, I need, if, if I'm playing Gargans, I need to kill the Gargans. And that's probably true of a lot of armies, right? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna win on the objective. You've really got to take them down and clear out their scoring potential, which is why KO is so driven towards shooting the opponent off because because you don't have the bodies to actually yeah. score them the way we traditionally play Age Sigma. You need to you need to shoot first, take objectives later. Um, talk to me about talk to me about the other rule because we we've talked a little bit about the the barracks. One thing we haven't spoken about a lot is the Aether Gold. So, Aether Gold. Yeah, how, gives... how do you, how, yeah, how do you think about Aether Gold? Is it something that you build around? Is it something you just happen to have in your lists? Like, talk to me about the strategy and the thought process that you go into list building with around Aether Gold. So I don't usually build around Aether Gold. It's more, it's more just a bonus that I recognize the, these units have. And I um, assume you, uh, that, that it just kind of comes with it. I, you, there's ways you can get more and use more, but I don't think there's a way to actually use more than one in a phase, which is the big um, uh, the, 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 the big bottleneck basically of ether gold. Like you can have you can build a list with to have a boat with three like three shares on it. But it's only ever going to use one of phase, and if that boat's using it, the other unit of Thunderers isn't, or the, the unit of Arconauts. So is that what's stopping you from building a Because I imagine, like much like other resources in the game, you want to maximize 
um, your your resources, right? But you're saying that because you can only use one per phase. Um, it's usually not worth having more than one or two in your uh, one or two that you really know you're going to use in your army. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like it's it's something that you build. You don't try to optimize, but you definitely want to take advantage of it. But don't don't fall into the trap trying to look at your list going. How do I get the most Aether Gold? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, the real the real trap, I think, from Aether Gold comes when you're deciding what to use it on in a game. So Aether Gold is, is, a, is a triumph, which, as of GHB 2020, is real hits, real wounds, real, uh, real saves. saves. Yeah. Um, I've found that the best use for them is really just that re-rolling saves. It, it's really it. It can be really tempting to look at all your funnels and go, yeah, but they could do a little bit more damage. So I'm going to get them to use a command point real once to hit and use my ether goal real all to wound and blow them off the table. But then their second unit comes in, hits your thunders, and suddenly you've got no defense. You've just got a four up save and come. I really, I, un unless you absolutely know that you're going to either clear all the threats um, uh, in that area with you, by using that Ether Gold, or if there's just so many negatives stacked up, negatives to hit stacked up against you that you have to use the Ether Gold to do even a little bit of damage, you need to keep it for your saves. Saves are the most important thing to use Ether Gold on. Is that boat saves? Is that troop saves? Like, where are you spending most of your Aether Gold? Or what's the, what are the common areas you want to spend on? Um, for the Ironclad, always, always on saves. Because a three-up save is nice, but it, it's going... Even that, if something... They, they're going to see the boat as, boat as a bit, this big threat, this big tough thing, so they're going to send their biggest thing at your boat. And unless you have real saves, you're, it, it's, it's just not going to live. You're likely to get Ren 1. You're probably going to get Ren 2 or even Ren 3 attacks into it. So I can see why you just want to keep that boat alive as long as possible, right? Yeah. Some of my favorite uses are actually just using it for real saves on Arcanauts. Um, uh, like, because if, if, if you don't need it on, on the front line, sometimes Arcanauts, like, they'll, they'll, a unit of Marauders or Eels, like a unit of three, they'll go Arcanauts chaff unit. Just send us you're not going to send a big hammer unit against them you're going to send a small like your own little chaff thing to deal with it snatch your objectives um but narcolots with a re-rollable four up save pretty tough okay and that's no, good it's good to know um, um and then obviously you've got things like yeah if you don't want to take a a sky port you're going to be able to build your own right but um you can you've talked a lot about zilfin and I want to know what part of the Zilfin abilities, because you, you're obviously going to get yourself the code, right? You get your article, you get your amendment, you get your footnote, you're going to get yourself an ability, an artifact, and a command trait. What is it that you're drawing from Zilfin? Is it all good? Is it things that you're looking at going, right, I'm going to build around this particular piece? Because um, obviously everything you talk about is going to feed into the list that we're going to go through in a second, the one that you took to Vic GT. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think all of the, the most important thing in Zilfin is just the is the footnote that lets you make a normal move once per game in your hero phase. 
And the FAQ has clarified that the this normal move where you can run, retreat, or disengage can also be used to fly high. Um, so the, the, that is, that's the whole thing. If there was, if, if that wasn't there, I'd go Barak Urbaz or Barak Zon in a heartbeat. But because you can basically teleport your whole, essentially the way I've built it, your whole army in your opponent's face, turn one and then move just makes it far and above the best skyport in the book. That's the footnote that says once per battle in your hero phase, one friendly Barak Zilfin unit can make a normal move so it can run, retreat, and disengage. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's, uh, the always, there's always a breeze if you look for it. Yes, that one. Um, everything else is nice to have. It comes up occasionally. Um, oh, no. Then again, I'd also say the amendment. The amendment is really nice. Um, so the, in your movement phase, you could declare a Barrack Zilfin unit will run. Do not make the run roll. Just add six inches to the run. Can you run and shoot? I can't run and shoot. So this is mostly used in the end game. when I, Once I've taken my opponent and I need to get objectives quickly because they've probably been sitting on all these objectives for two or three turns, suddenly all my balloons, without spending command points, every time I do this, it's a free command point, essentially. All my balloons are moving 18. All my um, Arconauts are moving 10 inches. Um, like that, that just helps them cover ground and just spread out, take all board control in like one or two turns. Ah, uh, so it's, it's not even one unit. It's, it's basically if you declare a run move, it's just a flat six. So you could, as you said, run multiple units and they're always getting a six. Yeah. So I'll usually, like, Arconauts, I don't even, like, it's rare that I shoot with them in a game. They, I, Arconauts are just always moving 10. It's just a 10-inch flat move onto the first objective, onto the middle objective, hold the line, let the boat teleport in and do the rest. And then when, when, when the engine riggers need to snatch objectives, they will just book it 18 inches in one direction and get some really clutch, like, objectives. I've, I've won a few knights to the heart just by... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move here, and then my enderegers are going to dump on your objective. Boat's going to shoot stuff off the objective. Yeah, no, I like it. Look, there's a lot of cool yeah. things you're going to get as well, right? You're going to get yourself the extra uh, great engine work for your sky vessel. You're going to get get the ability to generate additional command points on a 5+. plus. Um, you know, your general is – I mean, this is quite – it's all right, but you're going to get plus one to hit as well for, for a missile, missile weapon. The plus one hit is nice. That's kind of the tax that you're going with. So you're taking yeah. this artifact instead of taking uh, phosphex, phosphorite bomblets or spell in the bottle. Well, um, or or the, the, the flare pistol that lets you reroll everything to hit with your whole army. The command trait uh, isn't great because KO don't really use command traits. But it's I was going to say that. Because you don't, you don't need it. Because you obviously got, you know, the, your Aether Gold. Yeah, uh, you, you, you just, command points are just, they're good. We have other ways to ignore Battleshock, and you just kind of use them occasionally to reel ones to hit. It's really easy to work around this command trait, though, because it's specifically, uh, you, if you need to take the command trait if you have an Arknot Admiral as your general. 
So either one, don't make him your general, or two, just don't take him. He's not that good. I like it. I like it. I also hate you at the same time, but I like you. Um, uh, uh, what, you, like, you like the Admiral? Uh, I, I'm more thinking, like, again, as uh, the devil's advocate here, you know, you just told me how powerful that footnote is, the the ones per battle. You said, hey, you build around the alpha strike, getting it in my face, the, the move, the shoot the crap out of me. How do I handle yeah. that as an opponent? Is it the 12 inches that we spoke about, about screens, having things that kind of push you out as far as possible, maybe yeah. you know, lo lowering, you know, if I can get like a, a lower drops from you, I can, again, push you out further, or if I get like a pre-game move, um, uh, untamed beast, some type of thing that kind of move at the start of the game, are yeah. those the types of things that uh, are going to help me defend against you? Yeah, it, it's it's really just the screening. You have to remember that they are going to be three inches. A Zilfin list is going to be three inches in front of your front line. So then you need to uh, screen the rest of your list accordingly and put that the other units 12 inches. No, nine, sorry, nine inches behind your front line, which will then range out those 12 inch, the, the, the majority of that fire. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Any also, other tips Zilfin makes Zilfin makes frigates battle line. It doesn't say it in Zilfin, but it's a it's a thing you can do. If you want to yeah. run a list with three frigates and thunderers, yeah. You're a mean person. Um, so we've got ourselves. Um, by the way, it says. Uh, Kron, do you want to explain why it says Allegiance Chaos? I thought you were just oh. being funny. And there's actually a real reason why, as a KO player, you might need to do this because I'm sure this has frustrated other players. Yeah, so the way War Scroll Builder works, unfortunately, they haven't thought they, they or maybe it was a bit too much work to put in every single endless spell in the game in the Caravan Overlords. Pick an endless spell for your list in in, in War Scroll Builder, so you kind of have to switch over to Chaos, um, to, to Allegiance Chaos to select your to go to Skaven to select the Caravan Overlords Warp Lightning Vortex that we have. All right, so a wild cauldron overlords, wild cauldron overlords isn't chaos. Um, if you're going to take the warp lightning vortex, which 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 Kron has, um, that's the trick to get around it. So, talking through the list, right? So you've got yourself. Uh, we've talked about your 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 barrack zilfin. You've got yourself the aether chemist, which is the general the command trait of the collector with the artifact spell in the bottle that's allowing you to take an endless spell. Um, outside of your allegiance, which is uh, amazing. You've got yourself the Aether Chemist, which has got the emergency vent plate. Uh, you've also got the Endron Master with dirigible suit with the staff of inocular optimization. You've then got yourself 10 Arcanaut co Company, 10 Arcanaut Company, 10 Arcanaut Company, 20 Grunstock Gun Thunderers. Three Endron Riggers, three Endron Riggers. And a lot of people are going to ask you, why'd you go Endron Riggers instead of Sky Wardens? And a lot of people are asking why the particular loadout. I know the loadout um, can be quite challenging or confusing to some people. So I definitely want to hear why you've chosen what you've chosen. You've also got yourself an Arcanaut Ironclad. You've got yourself a Sky, the Iron Sky Command. And following the Warp Lightning Vortex Endless Spell. So that's the Chaos Endless Spell. So talk to me through your rationale. Talk to me how this lo this list works and why did you choose what you chose? 
So I've I've run this list I think in three GTs now SHGT, Cinderfall GT, and Vic GT. Um, it's gone through a few iterations, but I've, I've I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with just just this list. The the heroes are a bit fluid. I'll change so that second ether chemist, that second chemist, I'll change him out. Someone's from navigator. Someone's keeping as a chemist, depending on what I'm thinking is going on right now. So for Vic GT, because I knew there were daughters, that this this daughter's snake shooting list was coming. I went with the ether chemist with the emergency vent plates, and that's a once per game uh, bubble that you can activate in a shooting phase to make your units neg one to be hit in shooting. So I kind of came in expecting the shooting meta um, and bought this anti-shooting guy. In in when the meta leans more towards Lumineth again and uh, Zench, there's a I'll, I'll take the Navigator and give him this artifact that gives you an extra dispel, uh, a, a automatic dispel once per game. So it it, it that that slot kind of changes. Um, the first Ether Chemist stays. He needs to have spell in the bottle, and he needs to be the general because he needs to have my collector uh, command trait. So. Some a lot of people bring take the Ender Master with the Ritual Suit, and he'll make Ender Rigger's battle line, and that let, lets you lower the drops on this list. You can get two or three drops out of this. But I really need, I really like having more artifacts because a lot of the artifacts in this book are so powerful. Um, why? Comments. Why? Why do you need more artifacts? You know, just sometimes you have this ability that just does up to like. You know, one to nineteen mortal wounds to anything doesn't need line of sight. Doesn't need anything like that. Just you know, do ninety mortal wounds. Get uh, up. I, I like how how you casually mm. say one to nineteen. Uh, <laughs> Look, sometimes but... you roll a one on your first dice. Sometimes those phosphex bombers just keep going. Ah, uh, the, uh, the the phosphex but... bomb. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to look for the uh, rule. I remember. I remember reading it. I remember. Is it? Is it you? You just keep rolling a dice, right? And is it on a particular dice roll? You you do. Is it four plus? So no, no. It's a two plus. You pick once per game. You pick one enemy unit within six inches. It's not a shooting attack, so it can be run. You can use it through like uh, abilities that block line of sight. Pick one enemy unit within six inches. Roll dice. Two plus. They take a mortal wound. Then roll another dice. Another one till you roll a one. Um, yeah, I found I found it on page sixty-five. I'm looking at it now, and I, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's a two plus, and it doesn't change. It's not like the old arcane spell where you know the the dice roll changed as you kind of went along. Nope, you just keep rolling that two plus. So two plus. Um, if you got hot dice, you're gonna nuke it. You're gonna nuke an archaeon. It's it's fantastic. I love it. And is that the only artifact you really want to have in your kit? Or, I mean, obviously Spell in the Bottle is just great. You know, um, the Darkfire Demon Wraith, the Bullfire Taurus, the Warp Lightning Vortex. There's so many great endless spells. Everblaze Comet, although it's a bit pricey. There's a lot of great spells. I can see why you'd want to take Spell in the Bottle. And you can take any there's, endless um, spell. I think that's the funny thing, right? You can take any endless spell. Any endless spell. Like... Um, you can uh, you, you can you can take uh, the 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 little the stormcast little um, maneuvering disc that you can put your your chemist and get him to fly around the field with plus one armor save if you wanted to. Um, cast those lumineth stone things or the, the the big 
the 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 grot um and the spell uh, that makes you a wizard i think are uh, the uh the cauldron yeah doesn't that attach to your caster and then make them a wizard and give them all the grot spells i i don't know if it makes them a wizard but it definitely gives them access to the lore of the gits but uh i think you know like to what you just said is you know as the endless spells keep getting expanded upon in Age of Sigma, it doesn't help you with any of the prayers, right? So you can't take the Fire Slayer's prayers. You can't take Hex Gorgeous Skulls from Corn. Uh, it's only endless spells. So there's probably there's probably at least five, you know, really good ones that you can probably choose from. I like Bullfire Taurus making a, an opponent fight last. Um, you know, the sure. as you said, the, the Warp Lightning Vortex really pinning someone down. Um, the Darkfire Demon Wraith, especially if you are fighting a lot of magic armies, you know, the, the sheer amount of mortal wounds that can do. If we're getting more luminous, I might have to bring that Dark that Demon Rift out again, just blow up some elves. No, no, I, mean, like I, I love it because it makes every release gives Caradon Overlord something new. Like, we're, we're, it, we're testing out the Daughters of Cain, the big snake that eats people on a, like, five or four plus at the moment. And it's 40 points. That snake yeah, is, is 40 points. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Oh, I, I, I just had people at my tournament recently, uh, like just literally last weekend, and they are loving that snake. It's 40 points. Oh, my gosh. And it, it'll come and eat that five-wound character or some of those stalkers, uh, the, the OBR stalkers. It, it's still it in development, but... It just auto slays a model. Holy shite. All right, let's not get into it. But I think long story short, like you get access, the spell in the bottle gives you access to all these endless spells. So the possibilities um, to get creative, to to do some very interesting things to your lists. Uh, again, you know, look outside of your Grand Alliance. You know, if death brings some cool things with the Soul Blight, uh, hey, there's more endless spells. Um, I think some of the other artifacts that like, you really want to look at are these, these navigator ones. There's the Sverigstein Illuminator Flare Pistol. He picks one enemy unit, shoots it. If, it hit, if he hits, your whole army gets to reroll everything to hit against that one unit for a turn. Like, you basically pick a unit and go, right, he dies. Archeon, Nagash, gone. Which, which one was that, sorry? Uh, it's in the Ethematic Instruments for the uh, Navigator. The Svaragstein Illuminator Flare. Ah, uh, yeah, number two, the number two one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got that Void Stone Orb that works like a Knight Encantor's automatic dispel scroll. I was going to say, if you're, if you're playing a lot of players who have, like, the Soul Screen Breach, for example, you know, Cities of Sigma, prime example, throwing those Iron Drakes up on the table, um, or you've got, like, a really strong, you know, Techless, for example, just auto-casting or uh, whatever it might be, having that Void sto Stone Orb, can, can be quite powerful to, to, to keep those spellcasters at bay. That's usually my pick if I don't take those emergency vent plates. Okay. Okay. I mean, um, a, I can see, I can see, and now see why you'd want to have many artifacts in your list because you do have some great access across the board. And one of them is unfortunately being taken up by that staff of ocular optimization that Zilfin forces you to take. So talk to me about the uh, Arcanaut Company. You mentioned that, you know, if you made, uh, was it your dirigible suit, the general, that would make your balloon boys uh, battle line. So why would you go with the 10 Arcanaut Companies? Like what, what and even like the 20 uh, Thunderers, like why, why not go more balloon uh, boys? I mean, I think the Arcanaut Company is the secret source that makes this whole list work, really. The, the, 
the Ironclad and the Thunderers are going to teleport up, smash your opponent. The Arcanauts are going to win you the game. The Arcanauts are the one that are going to, that, uh, if needed to, screen out your, your, your deployment zone. 30 is enough. 20, not quite. 30, get your whole deployment zone teleport free in that first turn. Keep your Ironclad safe in that corner. Make sure nothing can touch it. You just put layers upon layers of Arcanauts. And then later on in the game, they'll they'll spread out. They'll take your objectives. They'll take and they'll take the middle objectives, and they will hold that unless a dedicated combat hammer comes and hits them. Because they've still got that four up rerollable save with rerolls on their um, battle shock if they're within nine of an objective, and reroll and plus one to hit it with their nine of an objective. They'll take anything else that's ninety points and beat it. No, it's interesting you say that because, like, when you look at the profile, one, it's very confusing. You know, you've got, like, a million missile weapons and a million melee choices, right? So I think it's interesting first off weapon kit out. But, you know, the armor saver four, they've got a four-inch movement. Yes, they're going to be in boats most of the time. They've got a bravery of six, one wound. So they just look like standard troops. But you're telling me they're the secret source. And even the abilities, like, great, I can re-roll Battleshock tests whoop-de-doo but it's the combinations that you're forming with your ships and your allegiance abilities that is making this a secret source the the the, the gunstock thunder thunders and the ironclad that's just a giant distraction kind of effects arcanauts win you the game um so i uh, should so if i'm an opponent i should be going for your arcanauts um i think possibly yeah you you need to take them out because otherwise they will just sit in objectives and they, they'll they'll take three objectives on the board, which usually is most of them. So you have to deal with them, and you need to send more than just ten marauders coming on the side of the board, because ten marauders are going to bounce off 10, 10 archonauts. You send some like you needs to be a proper dedicated unit. You can't underestimate an archonaut company. Yeah, that's interesting you're saying this because, like, you know, I'm looking at this, you know, the four-up armor save, one wound, there's no after save. Like, I'm looking at this going, eh. eh. It's got a rerollable save. Because of the, um, it it doesn't naturally have the, yeah, so it doesn't naturally have a reroll save. You're using the eighth of gold to reroll the save. So if I go in there with Rend, bringing it to, you know, a five-up or a six-up, then you're probably going to fall flat. Six up, I can't do much about. Five up, rerollable isn't too bad. But yeah, you, you bring something decent with a rend. You bring something that is supposed to be in combat against the Arcanauts. Like, it, it, they'll, they'll, they'll flop. Yeah, like, okay. um, six eels will do it. Easy. Yeah. Three eels. Yeah, like, I'm, looking, I'm looking at this it. going. They're no, ten, they're no 10 Phoenix Guard. Like, you know, they, no. they, they still have a four up armor safe, but with the, uh, with, with the Aether Gold. Points. They'll, yeah, they're just really good for their their weight class. They're good in their weight class. Yep. No, no look, I, 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 I guess I'm trying to prove a point that they are good, but not invulnerable, guys. Don't put them up and expect them to take a punch and, and laugh at your opponent. Um, they will still die, but for a 90-point investment, um, they are wonderful value, especially when you add the eighth of gold to reroll saves. So don't underestimate them. Having 30 of them is worth the the minus one uh, the extra drop that it's going to cost you in your army making that this what could be this could be a three drop list it's a four drop list but those extra ten arcanauts are worth it 
So why why the weapon loadout? Because you've got the same one. You've got uh, sky pikes. You've got a skyhawk, and you've got the volley gun. Yeah, why that loadout? So why that loadout? The new book makes it really easy. The old book gave you the option: one in every ten Arcanauts, or it was three in every ten Arcanauts, could pick between sky pikes, volley guns, or skyhooks. And you could make these awesome 40-man Arcanaut blocks with, with 12 Skyhawks that just shot people at 24-inch range. New book, change that. Every 10 Arcanauts, you can have one Sky Pike, you can have one Volley Gun, you can have one Sky, uh, sky Pike. So it just kind of forces you, like, you just take one of each special weapon per 10. You could, you could choose to not take the special weapon. There's it's, it's, it's no real point. You just take the special weapon. Any so of them the, more useful than others? Oh, uh, I always love the volley gun, just with the amount of shots it puts out. Um, they're hitting on, if you're near an objective, they're hitting on four, say it's six shots from one gun, hitting on fours, wounding on fours, neg one, damage one. It'll do a bit of damage. Um, the Sky Pike is still terrible on Arcanauts. The, the Skyhawk is nice. They've reduced all the ranges of this unit, so it's no longer a 24-inch thing. It's an 18-inch weapon and everything else is 12 and 9 inches so it's it's not going to project power it's it's its own little bubble there's nothing it's not there to do damage it's there to run 10 inches and take that objective survive so by, by run 10 inches you're talking about the base move of four plus the six inches coming from the barrack zilfin um when you yeah. run it's just a flat six that's what we're talking about here guys yeah because this is this is a, a zilfin list Yep. So you got yourself three units of uh, of your your your, um, uh, your your Arcanaut company, and then what's the twenty funders bringing to the table? Uh, they just bring pure destructive firepower, um, and a surprisingly tough unit to boot. So it's twenty thunderers. I've always put them in the ironclad, and the ironclad has a specific endron endron work. Normally, ironclads will only be able to take 15 models, and once they've taken over 15 models, their movement is halved and they can't fly high. You take this emblem work on this one ship, it can carry up to 25 people and still operate completely freely. In addition so to all, the balloon boys that can hit your ride. In addition to those, in addition to seven balloons who can who can jump with it. So you've got your 20, 20 thunderers, and I kit them out. Um, there's two ways you can kit Thunderers out. You can either give them all the standard rifle, don't give them any special weapons, and their job is to stay in a boat and have an 18-inch threat range and just um, plink things from afar. Or you give them maximum special weapons, reduces their range, their effective range to 12 inches. But when, if they're outside of a boat, they do a lot more firepower. So their special weapons on Thunderers are really weird. Um, they usually all hit on fours, where the um, where the the rifles will hit on threes. But if you have one of each of the the mortar, the cannon, and the deck sweeper, and you're outside of a boat, they'll hit on. They'll get they all the special weapons get plus one to hit. That's so that, from that the pin your, them, shred them, finish them rule. Yeah. Um, so that turns your deck sweepers into four shots, in, into basically each deck sweeper is as good as two um, two rifles. The cannons are now threes and twos, and the mortars 
you take minimum mortar, it's a terrible gun, but it's there to give everyone plus one to hit. I usually give it the um the, the they get a little standard. I, I put the standard on the mortar just to remind me, don't kill this guy. He's important, even though he doesn't do shit. I was gonna say the mortar was always a tax, but by having the mortar on the table, getting the plus one, it then doesn't become a tax. So you don't want to lose it, but at the same time, it's not doing nothing. But the the drive them back as well, I find that a super fascinating rule that you get plus one to attack characteristics when you're within three inches of an enemy model. So um, you can't be garrisoned, so it can't be when you're in a ship, but by by being within combat, uh, you know, boosting all of those by plus one attack in conjunction with the pin them, shred them, finish them, um, you could do a lot of damage with this big block of 20. You definitely do. Um, and the fumigators, while they're not, they don't get any, uh, they don't interact with the pin them, shred them, finish them, they do have the choking fog, so any enemy models that are within three inches of at least one fumigator um, have neg one to hit uh, the thunder unit in combat. So you, you, you can combine that really nicely with uh, one of the chemist's abilities, which is exactly the same thing, but it has a different wording and actually stacks with this. So, so, you neg two. so you deploy this unit of thunderers kind of in a block and put the chemist, usually not on the front line, but one... Uh, one model behind the front line just to put him within three inches of any unit that would maybe hit this thunder unit. Suddenly that unit's neg two, more of he's hitting on fives, a lot of things are hitting on fives, and the thunder is usually survive a turn, then get double shots and all their guns and wipe out whatever was, was trying to hit him in combat. And if you really need to get the reroll saves, you can also do the triumph. Well, the eighth of gold. Yeah, so if you want to go full defensive turtle on these thunderers, you can, and they will survive a lot. Because they're also two wound models. That's 40 wounds in that, in that, in that unit. Damn. <laughs> I, I, I didn't look at the two wounds there. I'm like, oh, wow, wow. I wouldn't have expected that. I know the balloon boys, I know your Andrew and Riggers and your Sky Wardens have two wounds, but I wouldn't have expected the Thunderers to have two. Yeah, so that that's just, that. yeah, it. They're tough dwarf boys. They've got giant power armor. They're, they're, they're going to sit there and they're going to take it. Talk to me about the engine riggers. Talk to me why, why, because, because there's always a debate that I see and it's always like, do I take engine riggers? Do I take sky wardens? Why have you gone engine riggers over the sky wardens? And is there a situation where the sky wardens are a better decision than the engine riggers? I mean, so currently sky wardens and engine riggers are the same points. And I wouldn't take Sky Wardens over Endriggers in any list that isn't a Barrack Zon list, which specifically buffs Sky Wardens. Um, Endriggers are there, so the, the, the main, both units can take the same upgrades with their special weapons. The only difference is um, their base gun and their base combat ability. And Enriggers get it. I would take Enriggers just over Sky Wardens just because of their, they have their standard gun sidearm is 12 inches range, while Sky Wardens um, sidearm is nine inches range. So right. in a normal KO list that isn't Zilfin, um, when you deploy, you have to deploy nine inches away from the enemy. So the Sky Wardens can't shoot, but the Enriggers can. 
Then you look at their combat profile. Without any upgrades, the Enrigas have one attack, threes, twos, rend two, damage D3. That's actually going to hit and wound. While the Sky Wardens have two attacks, hitting on fours, wounding on threes, rend one, damage D3. The amount of times I've, you just fail with the Sky Pikes. You can get a decent amount of attacks, but without the, the specific Zon buffs that Sky Wardens get, Endregas are more reliable. Yeah, when I, um, in my Tempest Eye list, I have uh, one or two gun haulers and I have taken a unit of six Endron Riggers for that exact reason. Like when I looked at the attack profile, all of the shooting is either 24 or 12. So it meant if I got out of the boat, I could still shoot. But um, you're right, like with the Sky Wardens, it, it made it hard to attach them to a, a gun hauler and then kind of drop down on the table and then shoot my opponent. Yeah. Um, so they'll just, they just have that ability that, that just to have that little bit extra range and that little bit of, of uh, reliability in their, in their attacks that just puts them over the Sky Wardens. If Sky Wardens went down or Enrigas went up, then we can have this conversation again. But until then, Riggers are just a, a full upgrade to Wardens. The, and yeah, um, they can have the same special weapons. So these guys, I've, um... I've equipped not to be a combat unit, not to use their combat attacks at all, but to have 24 and 36 inch range and be more support elements that can sit in objectives, take objectives with their 12 inch movement and then plink away at the enemy from uh, such a range that they can't be counterattacked immediately. I, yeah, I think when I when I reflected my time using my Endron Riggers, I built around, because I'd have a unit of six, and I would have two of those athematic saws because it's tempting, right? Hitting on threes, wounding on twos, ren minus two for D3 damage. So I was thinking, shoot, 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 charge, get in there and finish them off with some ren two attacks. But I was always un uh, underwhelmed with the, with the combat prowess. And I was always thinking, should I then go out and add a, uh, an engine rigger with dirigible suit to, again, jump on the, the gun hauler and follow along? And I feel it was a bit of a too much of an investment, but I can see where you'd want to just drop out of the boat, stay outside of range, and just shoot from the side. Uh, you can definitely, you, it's definitely an option to build them for combat. Uh, but you, you, I think if you want to, if you want to try and put combat in a character and overlord list, you really have to build specifically to do that combat, mm. and less, um, and not just have. Oh, I'll just put this combat unit in my shooting army because it's nice to have. Yeah, th I think yeah, I think you make a really good point that just because I can get an athematic sword doesn't mean I should, and I'm probably better off going doubling down on what I specialize in, and that is just my generic missile weapons. Yeah. Um, now I guess we've got the ironclad... But before we move to the Ironclad, let me just ask you, yeah. why why two units of three Endron Riggers? Why not one unit of six? Uh, well, so first, you want six Endron Riggers because I've got one boat, and that boat can carry up to seven balloons. So I've got my six Endron Riggers and I've got my hero. Any more, and they're going to get left behind when that boat teleports over, or I'd have to purchase a second boat to carry that slot of Endron Riggers across. Um, and I like two units of three because... 
the battalion that I take them in can uh, can include zero to three um, rigors units, so it's all the same amount of drops. And having two units just lets you spread out more, split your fire, take two objectives instead of taking one objective. It just gives you more board control. Yeah, no, because I, I could I could see the other side of the argument, which would be one unit of six, and then if you applied like the Aether Gold, for example, um, you know, you're really getting more bang for your buck from that one spend. But from what I'm hearing, the the board control, the ability to move an extra six inches on the run, um, the extra shooting from range, um, they're better off kind of being around the table as opposed to some concentrated fire because that's what the thunder is. That's what the ironclad's already doing. Yeah. Oh, it's actually interesting about the Aether Gold. So they won't have any Aether Gold. Of course, they're under 10. They're under 10, um, so they, would, they wouldn't get it. So they, they, won't, they won't get Aether Gold to begin with. Even if they have a squad of 6, they won't get it. You need a squad of 12, which is the maximum size. A squad of 12 Balloon Boys will have it, but a squad of 12 Balloon Boys can't be lifted up and taken anywhere. And it's 400 points. That's a lot of points. Yeah, a lot of points that's not benefiting from the rest of the from the movement of the rest of your army no that's a really good point and I'm, I'm asking you i'm asking questions like this as well because i think probably people are thinking you know why don't i just put in a big block what and, and this, these are the trade-offs right um you, you're yeah. thinking about yeah so having one ether gold on a unit is not worth giving up all that flexibility um that having multiple small units gives you yeah, and 400 points is almost another ironclad, and you probably prefer another ironclad over 12 balloon boys. Oh, uh, if I could get two ironclads in the list, I tell you what. Oh, two of those boats, I need it. So let's talk about the ironclad. Why, why would you want two if you possibly take two? Like what? That's, that's, that's one quarter of a 2,000-point army. Why would you spend so many points on one model? All right. Well, um, well okay. I, competitively, I probably wouldn't take two. Okay? That that was that was more of a, you know, it, it's it's just cool to have on a table. But you take one because there's often once per game move a model only where it, you can use it once a game and you can use it on one model. So you you might so you need to really, I think, put as many eggs into this one basket that you're going to be able to move twice. And that, and the biggest basket you've got in this book is the ironclad. And that's because the flying it, transportation allows you to have twenty five friendly marines in it, in addition yeah. to the balloon, the the you know the um, engine riggers or the the wardens. So you can carry thirty two models around with this thing, which is your twenty thunderers, any characters you can think of, and seven balloon boys. Um, also, it's got a really nice um, battalion. It's got two really nice battalions, actually. Um, but I've taken yeah, this Iron Sky Command in this, in this case. But no, it's it's a big boat. It puts out a ton of firepower with... Uh, it, I would always give it the Great Cannon. That gives you that 36-inch range or the ability to have this multi-shot attack, which um, combines really nicely with your um, uh, broadsides to give you 14 hits on threes, wounds on threes, rend one, damage two. That damage too, like, does work. Like, with the amount of... If you have 14 damage two attacks, it, it wipes out stuff. I was just thinking as well, the engine riggers and sky wardens heal the boats, right? So um, 
Because once you take seven damage on the Ironclad, it starts to lose some of the fly high ability, right? Yeah, they uh, they can as well. Um, uh, so if the Ironclad takes seven wounds or more, it can't fly high. That's a good thing to remember as an opponent. You deal... Yeah. If the Ironclad has seven wounds at the start, at, in its hero phase, it can't fly high. Important thing to note, the Ironclad will heal one wound every turn by itself. So you need to do eight damage to this thing to stop it from doing what it does. And if you deal, if it has, if it's taken 10 damage, so you need to deal 11 damage. If you deal 11 damage to it, it can't even retreat and shoot. So a big thing is you, yeah, you're surrounded in combat and it can't move. And then it just hops out and it shoots you anyway, or shoots another unit. And then in addition with the Endron Riggers, you've got the Endron Craft where if they're within one inch of the Sky Vessel on a four plus uh, for each model, you heal a wound. So uh, another yeah. reason why you'd want Endron Riggers or Sky Wardens to be healing up this boat uh, to keep it flying high and moving around the table. I mean, another reason for the Sky Wardens, they can't heal boats. Oh, so it's only the Endron Riggers that can heal. Only the Riggers. And they mm. cost the same points as Sky Wardens. It's a no-brainer oh, then, right? Yeah. Um, and the the, uh, the Ritual Suit Endron Master actually heals it a flat three every turn. No roll, no nothing, just have three wounds. All right. So so either way, like you, 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 you're using these, uh, the engine riggers and the dirigible suit to keep the, um, the, the boat healed up in addition to be able to increase the maximum capacity because you've got your 25 that sit on the boat. You can then get some to hitch a ride. Uh, did you say the engine work also increases the, uh, the amount of people you can put on the boat? Is that what you said? Uh, so they, all ironclads can have 25 models, but the, they have a rule if you take more than 15 models in it, it can't fly high and its movement is halved. That end and work specifically overrides that rule and says not to take the full capacity. Do whatever. Right. You want. So it's not so it's not that it increases the twenty-five, it just actually increases the, the, the fifteen and the rules interaction by making it too heavy. Yeah. Cool. Um sorry, I'm gonna have to go switch off my camera for a second. Well let's um, my phone's about to go off on power. I need to get to a socket. All right. So um, the sky, the warp lightning vortex. Wrap up, Cron. I'll I'll, I'll go through this the second set of rules, um, and then you finally got yourself the um, the warp lightning vortex. So the warp lightning vortex is going to be able to be that endless spell that um, it has changed. By the way, guys. So the FAQ has changed slightly. So it used to have a lot further threat range, but um, it does it does model wounds depending on how many models are trapped within this little triangle you set up the three models uh it does some damage and it reduces the movement or it halves movement so uh it can be pretty tasty to pin your opponent down and uh if you don't fly and you got a big base you can actually pin a model all together so that to me was quite scary but uh overall um cron this is a really cool list while you fix up your camera um hope you charge up pretty quickly Hope I don't see any weird things from you here, mate. But um, and again, you know, Crime has been doing this for a while now with this particular list. So that's list one. That's list one done. And I'm sure he will have some additional things to add when he jumps back on with the charge. But the other list that we have here is the Barrack Zon, which was the second list, and 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 Crom was talking a little bit earlier about this being a bit more melee focused than the shooting focus. 
Uh, and you're going to get a couple of things. So um, with the abilities, you're going to get plus one to wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons by friendly Sky Fairy units that have made your charge roll um, in the same turn. So again, really re rewarding you from, for charging uh, and also getting plus one to the hit rolls for attacks made by melee weapons uh, by friendly Sky Wardens. So uh, we might find that Kron doesn't have those engine riggers, but rather has gone down the Sky uh, Warden route. Um, we back. Oh, we are back. Yep. We're going to sure, go like just, this. I was just, it uh, looks like you're at a church now. Um, okay. I was just, is, is there any final things you'd, you'd mention about the first list or are you happy for us to start talking about Zon? Um, I think so. The thing we have to mention is also the the power that the Warp Lightning Vortex has in this Zilfin list. Yeah, because obviously um, I've, I've experienced it in a Skaven list. So uh, I know that it can pin me in. I know it can do mortal wounds. I know it can reduce my movement around the board and it's hard to get out at times. But what what is it bringing uh, to you? So the, the nasty thing you do with this is so Zilfin's once per game free movement happens in the hero phase. And your chemist with the bottle is in the ship that's just teleported nine inches away from your enemy. So he's then going to, so what's going to happen is the boat's going to teleport up nine inches away, then he's immediately going to throw that warp lightning vortex onto your army, which has such a ridiculous range from when you cast it. It's 13 inches from the boat, then the first thing gets placed, then the, the furthest one gets placed seven inches on top of that, then there's a, thir then there's a six inches uh, range out of each of these things on top of that, um, so which, which gets you like, like a 27-ish threat range. Like you cannot screen out this Warp Lightning Vortex. It's going to hit. It's going to deal 2d3 mortal wounds to a whole block of units because it activates in the hero phase and it activates at the end of the Cavern Overlord's movement phase. And if, you, if they get a double turn, it's going to activate again in their movement phase. So you're going to get um, hit three times before you get a chance to even dis attempt to dispel it. And you don't have to cast it, right? It, with spell in the bottle, it's automatically cast. There's no unbind attempt. There is no spell casting. It's just automatically set up, right? No, so... Oh, you've got uh, to cast un, it. Un, no, 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 I don't. Uh, unlike Skaven, you just... The teleport happens automatically. The warp lighting vortex happens automatically. And you can't... You, your opponent can't attempt to dispel. Doesn't matter if you have a knight in camp. That's, or... that's what I just said. I, I just said that. I just, yeah. You, you, so as, as a carriage and overlords player, I don't have to cast the endless spell. It's a no. once per game. It just automatically casts, and my opponent cannot unbind it. Just appears. So, so, so if you're looking at, for example, a endless spell with a very high casting value, an eight or a nine. You don't have to worry about that because it's just literally dropping on the table once per game. Once it's unbound, though, you can't put it back, right? Yeah, once it's gone, it's gone. Yes, yeah, so you really but need to think about making the most of what you, you do. Why would I have to roll dice in this game of dice? But, like, once someone unbinds it, right? Um, yeah. And I guess that's why you, you're thinking about the how, how you can make the most of the effects. Like, the bullfire Taurus is awesome, but you'd only get like one, maybe two rounds at best with it on the table before someone unbinds it. But for something like, as you mentioned, the, the Warp Lightning Vortex, because it triggers when it's deployed or set up, and then it triggers in the movement phase, and then uh, and then it will trigger in the in-between rounds, um, yeah. you could be doing some serious damage. 
Um, and then it, then it has those nice side effects of stopping your opponent from running and stopping them from flying. They're nice, but it's mostly the mortal wounds. Like, this thing will snipe out five wound characters. It'll kill your skink priests. Yeah. So it might stop people from actually castling up, you know, in this little center. They're going to split their heroes away just to avoid uh, being hit by the uh, warp lightning vortex if they're smart. If they're not, or they're not quite familiar with it, then there's a good chance that you could kill a whole bunch of small, more characters in a little triangle. Yeah. It's just really nasty, and it's so reliable because you don't roll for it. You just It just happens. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk more about Zon, right? So we just started talking about Skyfarers uh, and your Sky Wardens getting plus one to the wound rolls. Um, when it comes to Zon, um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the amendments and the footnotes for Zilfin, but what is attracting you to Zon, and what parts of this are you building around? Um, so a lot of this comes from, um, one of the guys at, on Aethercast, Adeptus Dysus. He, he's a master with Zon and he really, he really brought me over to, I, I, when I originally looked at it in the old book, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't touch Zon. In this new book, I thought that it's, it's the same thing. It just makes wardens who are like your worst unit slightly better, but we, with all the, the abilities, so it's it's your your deeds not words that's the the main ability is what puts a lot of power into this it's you get plus 1 to wound rolls from any of your sky any of your models if they charged and then you get plus 1 to hit as well with those wardens so that suddenly turns those sky pikes from fours and threes into threes and twos which is the same profile that a sky rigger had except it's got two attacks instead of one attack and yeah, okay. suddenly you're throwing out a lot of dice that need a lot of low numbers and can do a lot of D3 damage. Uh, a, a proper, like, six, six Zon Sky Wardens charging a unit will do an insane amount of damage. More than, more than the Thunder, more than Thunderers, like that block of 20 Thunderers will, two squads of six Wardens will, will match that. Yeah, like there's some really cool things in here. You know, you've got the ones per game in the in the hero phase. Um, one friendly Skyfarer unit as a part of the garrison can leave, and it's set up within three inches of the vessel and more than nine from enemies, which I thought was was potentially an interesting one, especially as you're thinking about the charge and trying to build that combat monster. Um, you've got the reroll ones to hit for attacks by the Zon heroes that target a hero or a monster. And the artifact's not too bad, getting plus two attack characteristics for one of the melee weapons. No, so yeah, you, you, you can put that on the the, the Ritual Suit Ender Master, who has the same attack profile that those Sky Warden, that the, uh, the Riggers have, that's hit on threes, wound on twos, rend two, damage D3. He's got three attacks base, you add two more to that. Like, that's five attacks that have a good chance of going through, doing five D3 damage. Like, he'll He'll mess something up with that. That's crazy. It's a little scud missile that just hits like a ten wound character, like one of those middle grounds, and just takes it out. Yeah, and even like the command trait, you know, the first time this general is slain, before move removing it, roll the dice on a two plus. They're not slain, and they heal up D three wounds, and any wounds that were previously allocated are ignored or negated. So. 
yeah, it it makes him a little combat monster. Um, I I kind of wish that instead of this bear of the iron star command trait, because there's no way to get around this. Like a lot of these other um skyports have, if your general is a specific character, I was gonna say that like it, it just say, it just says like you know it just says a barrack zone general. It doesn't actually say it has to be specific. So you that you are a hundred percent landlocked to these abilities. There's no way to get around it. No, nah, you gotta take this. Uh, which is unfortunate because if you could take Grudge Bearer, which doubles your damage against a specific hero, you could go. You could, this guy could go murder Archeon if you wanted to. But and then he comes back on a two plus and then goes again. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. takes out Bellacore after Archeon. So you know, shame we can't do that. But I guess you get to tone it down a little bit. Oh, it's, it's nice that you guys are playing fair. But, you know, yeah. what, what's clear here is that Barrack Zon is really rewarding you for getting into combat. So with that in mind, I'm very curious to see how you're thinking about a very combat-focused KO because you just don't see it on the table. So you got yourself your Skyport, as we've said, Barrack Zon. Um, you got yourself the Entron Master with Dirigible Suit with the Bearer of the Iron Star and the Hammer Speed Hammer. You got yourself the... Aether Chemist with the spell in the bottle. So that was very similar to the last list. You got yourself 20 uh, Arcanaut Company, ten, uh, sorry, six Sky Wardens, six Guider Wardens, three Endron Riggers, 10 Thunderers, one Gun Hauler, one Gun Hauler. So you've got some uh, Endron works on those Gun Haulers, one as the Depth, the Depth Settler Torpedo. And then you've also got the, the Cold Beards Collapsible Compartments. Geez, they make this hard for me. Uh, you've got, you've got the, the, you've also got a frigate, and you've got also got the Endron, uh, so the es, the escort wing, and and cog. Can you do that? Can you take the bound Im chronomatic cogs? The important, the important part there is the bound chronomatic cogs. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, can you do that? Can you take bound endless spells? I can take whatever endless spell I want. That is an endless spell with a points value. I hadn't even thought about that. I so the normal, I, the normal cogs say only a wizard can activate them, but the bound cogs say that only the caster can activate them. You Chemist's not a wizard. You Chemist's not a wizard, but he's you the caster. You are a smartass. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that interaction because folks at home, guys, if you are playing at home with bound endless spells that come from Seraphon, um, they are uh, so the things like predatory endless spells, for example, they can't be thrown back at Seraphon, which is why you see a lot of Seraphon players taking Geminids, bound Geminids, because it means that those uh, light and shadow Geminids aren't coming back at you. Um, there are some things like the, the Bailwind Vortex, it stops it from being unbound, so it's very, very cool. But I hadn't even thought about the bound chronomatic cogs that, that gets around that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how you get those cogs in that carriage and overworld army, giving everyone sweet bonuses to charge. Um, so this is this is a list that came out of the, uh, one of these Ethercast discussions. Where we, uh, I, I can't take full credit for this. This was this was all of us. All right. So and by the way, so shout out to the Ethercast. So if you are a carriage and overlords uh, player, go check out Ethercast. It's on YouTube. They do a show every week. You guys do a show every week. Uh, probably the best show you guys had was a few weeks ago, where you had uh, some non-KO player talking about cities. So uh, yeah, I really liked the show. I thought it was a really good one. 
something of something about Tempest Eye. You can take some care. We 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 got some 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 no name cities guy, and he talked. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Oh uh, hey hey, we're, we're now uh, we're, we're by the way we're both now uh, Warhammer community writers. So uh, so just don't oh, call me are. nobody. But all right, so, yeah, so anyway, no, it so, was coach. It was coach. Co- coach came on a, on our show. It was was lovely having you. All right. Anyway, so let's go back to the list, right? Mm. So um, you've got your dirigible suit, Endron Master, your chemist, same roles. Are they playing the exact same roles or how are they different compared to the Zilfin list? Um, so in this one, your, your Endron Master is the general. So I'm, in this one, you need to have just the, 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 you need to have the amount of Sky Wardens and Riggers. I'm building my list around them, so they need to be my battle line. Um, the, and the chemist, the chemist is there for a spell in the bottle. That's all. Okay. Okay. So you're really taking the dirigible suit to unlock the sky wardens as battle line or your engine riggers as well. Um, and the spell in the bottle is coming from the chemist. That's, that's what they bring into the table the most. Yeah. And uh, like I said, the engine master with that artifact and with the command trait, he's a little scud missile that'll, that'll pack a punch in combat. See, because we're building a, a, a combat-focused list, why on earth would you go these these Arcanaut Company? Like, what do they bring to the table? Is it just bodies? Is it the fact it's a block of 20 bodies to sit on an objective or, or tie somebody down? Or are they bringing something else to the table? Yeah, it's, it's still just, I need to take those objectives. All this combat is nice, but it's really fragile. And if your opponent hits as hard as you do, chances are, both of your main, your big forces are going to be pretty scattered by turn four and five. And I need those Arcanauts to screen off my deployment to begin with. Um, so when I deploy like in, in that, that bottom corner again, I need that screen of 20 Arcanauts to stop any Terrorgeist or um, Iron Jaws player or Stonehorn just running in there, messing up my entire formation before I can teleport out and start um, threatening the rest of the board. So you, 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 you have to have, I think in modern AOS, you have to have a screen. You have to have objective grabbers, and that's what Arcanauts do. Well, as a, as a Gargant player, I can confirm that you don't need a screen. No, you do. You, you uh, Especially if you're, if you're not going to be low drops. Like I think that's the risk, right? If you can't be a one drop to three drops, uh, you are at risk of an Iron Jaws, Iron Sun, just charging in turn one and just wrecking your game plan. So um, having 20 Arcanaut Company as well as 10 Thunderers can be a really good screen to protect those boats that now you're in range. I'm just going to fully focus fire at whatever's hit by screen. Yes, my company's probably yeah. going to die, but I'm going to shoot the living out of you. Um, or, or, or just charge them and wreck them in combat in, in, in this case, well, yeah. Well, in this case, yes. In this case, you will also charge, but just in carriage and overlords in general, you'd then just yeah. shoot, the, shoot them off the board. Oh, yeah. So uh, these, these, these Sky Wardens and Riggers are built for combat. Um, so I've still given them one of the special weapons and that's because it gives them plus one to charge, which is really important in a Zon list because Zon doesn't give you that move after the move. So you're going to be charging from that nine inches away and you're going to need all the bonuses you can get to that. So you're getting plus two to the charge from Cogs, plus one from the Skyhook. Yep. So it's a, it's, it's a six up charge basically with some rerolls with command points if you need them. 
yeah. and then when yeah. they uh, yeah w when they get there the the I've still put in three uh, a unit of riggers because of that Ren two. Sometimes there there are those tough nuts with the, like that ignore Ren one, like a lot of Lumineth can do, or those the three up saves that you just need to get that Ren two into. Um, but anything with a four up, um, with a four up save or even a three up save if it doesn't have rerolls, you charge those Sky Wardens in and they will just wreck it. So. I've run this list once in, uh, I, I ran it in a, well, I've run it a few times, but I ran it in one tournament, a little one day. I went to two one. Um, I, I fought Gargans with this, and the, those Sky Wardens were like, those 18 Balloon Boys were killing a Gargan to turn. How? Because I'm looking at this profile and it says, you know, range two, two attacks, hits on a four, wounds on a three, rend one for D3 with the Sky Pike. And yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of rules. There's so many rules and so many abilities on the Sky Wardens. But how on earth are you wrecking a Gargant with six models? Well, that's I, the whole. The, it was all eighteen. All okay, eighteen. Okay, so you're using work all eighteen together in a concentrated attack. But how still is it? Is it just off the back of the the Sky Pike charge? Uh, just the. Or? It's you, you. You come in. You shoot before. You can shoot with those with the riggers. Um, 12-inch guns. Um, yeah, your boats are putting a couple of pot shots in, but then just the sheer amount of attacks that those Sky Wardens have and the Riggers just mow through 35 wounds. Uh, with, with Gargans have a 4-up save. They're on 5-ups and 6-ups. It, it just melts it. Right, so by having the Skyhook as well, which is doing Ren 2 for flat 3 damage... You're, you're doing a whole bunch of chip damage by the shooting and then with some consistency uh, getting up to plus three on the charge and then charging in and, and using your Zon abilities to finish them off as opposed to all the, all the damage is coming from combat. It's really more of a combination of shooting and, and combat. There is some combination. And I, st I do still have my, my 10 Thunders in there. There's only ten of them, and they're built more to uh, to to sit in a boat at all times and just shoot at eighteen inches with their with their rifles and just doing consistent rend one damage to whatever needs to be needs to take it. And when you say boat, you're talking about the frigate because the gun haulers can't take any marines, but it can take balloons. Yeah, so gun haulers can take balloons. They can't have anyone inside them unless you have the cold beard collapsible compartments, in which case you can take five models in them. Um, so the reason for that is the frigate has the same rule as the ironclad. It can take 15, but if it takes more than 10, it slows down. So you put the, you, you, I basically keep my chemist inside that gun hauler and the thunder is inside the frigate. So the frigate doesn't get slowed down by the chemist being in there, and the chemist can still move up with the rest of the army and lend his little bit of firepower to the to the proceedings. With the collapsible compartment, would that would that be potentially a good reason to bring in the Underworld's Warband because that is only five models? It is five models, and the unlike all other balloon boys the balloon boy from like, the balloon, the rigger from that underworld's warband is a marine and walk, goes inside boats don't ask me how it works 
Okay, so today, that's if you wanted to uh, put a bunch of five models in the gun hauler, you could do it with the, the profiteers. So really nice little transport for the profiteers, because I think that's all four of the, the basic guys and the chemist fits in there too. Look at me with my KO list tech. Go me. Yeah. Go me. I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a aspiring deckhand. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, 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 other, uh, more of a, a, a fun thing you could do, but you could put a, an admiral in there with four Endrin masters, get them all to hit on two plus, and have it as a little hammer boat that just smashes things. How, how do you find the gun haulers? I, I I know in Tempest Eye I found them inconsistent. I felt like they swat, they were quite swingy in in their shooting. Um, are they more consistent in in KO? And I don't know. Like when I look at this, like there's they, there's some interesting rules, and they're quite cheap. They're really cheap actually, and they've got some really good long threat ranges, and you can do some good damage with the sky cannon. You know, depending if you're you're shooting within eighteen or shooting within twenty four. But how do you use your gun hauler? Um, so it, it's there primarily to carry the balloons around. But once it's done that, it, it, it's got its, its, its ability that lets it add movement to it. So it can be really – it can jump around and do what those th two units of three end riggers were doing in the last list, which is just staying at range and just taking the, the little side objectives that get forgotten or have just a unit of ether wings on it. It'll go up to that blast off the ether wings, take take those objectives, and then just keep putting little pot shots with its cannon into in, into whatever I'm, I need to kill in that specific turn. Um, uh, some it, other things it has like it, unlike other boats, it doesn't have it doesn't degrade. So mm. if you do seven wounds to it, if you do nine wounds to it, it's still gonna fly high and disengage and do all the tricky stuff that boats do. Um, as it, it's always gonna, it's always gonna just jump around. And it's always gonna do its little bit of damage. Just, it's not huge, but it's chip. It, it'll, it'll add up over time, and it's fast. And it's got a really small base as well, so I found it really useful to be able to uh, put them in the backfield, find a little spot somewhere on the board to be able to then, sh you know, use a whole bunch, especially like with the shrapnel attacks. Uh, getting D6 attacks from the... Uh, I prefer the shrapnel over the shell just because you're getting the consistent two damage oh. as opposed to the shell being one attack. Yes, it can be uh, D6 damage, but if you, you only you, hit with one, it could still only be one damage. So I thought the consistency of the shrapnel was just better for me. You You learn to love that two damage. Two damage is really nice. It's like, consistent. It, it's just consistent. Yes, it's not six, but you also get D6 attacks. Yeah, you, you get a decent amount of attacks, which at maximum, you know, it's 12 damage. Like, you do 12 damage to something, it's going to feel it. Um, Again. And then the, one of them's got the, the Death Settler Spar Torpedo, so that means the first time it charges something on a 2+, plus, it's going to deal D6 mortal wounds. And then on four plus, it's going to deal D three mortal wounds when it drops its bombs. So that that thing can explode a couple of mortal wounds, kill a kill a, a one of those a small support character before it even gets a chance to hit the hit the boat back. Are you are you using the gun hauler in partnership with the frigate so that you can use the escort vessel, or are you not using that rule? Um, I don't usually. 
it's a, it gives the frigate a six up after save, which is it's a thing, but you you can't re-roll it with your ether share with your with your ether gold because it's not a that only rolls saves, not ignore wounds saves. Um, it it's it's too inconsistent. Like it's nice when it ha- when it when it the, it aligns and it just happens, but I don't I don't I don't specifically maneuver for it. No, because you've also got to keep your gun hauler within three inches of the other vessel. So that can be quite restrictive when you're trying to spread your presence out across the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So, again, this list is also a lot, like, even it doesn't have the move after moving that Zilfin does, but it's a lot faster than that list because everything in here is going to move 12 inches. The thunder is going to stay in that frigate, and the whole list is going to just basically consistently redeploy and hit wherever wherever the opponent is weakest. What's the gun escort gun wing the battalion bring into the party? Because obviously we know what Cogs is doing, especially bound Cogs. So yeah. what is the battalion doing? And I know I know you see a lot of ships ship battalions have that. Why have you taken um, it? Obviously, reduce the drops. So to reduce the drops is the big one. Um, really, you, you need... There's, there's two battalions in Carrot Overlords. It's the Iron Sky Commando. It's the Escort Battalion. Um, but the Escort Battalion, the Escort Wing, lets you pick one enemy unit um, during each of your shooting phases and everything in that battalion. And it's a big battalion. Mm. It's got your Thunderers, it's got your Frigate, your Gun Haulers, and your Sky Riggers, your, your Sky Wardens. And it's zero to three um, Sky Wardens. So even in the other list where we didn't want Sky Wardens, you don't have to take Sky Wardens. It's zero to three. Yeah, and, and that frigate can actually be uh, swapped out for an ironclad. Yes, because it says uh, an ironclad or a frigate. One yeah. unit of Thunderers, two to three Gun Haulers, and then zero to three Sky Wardens. So it, it's, it's, it's a big... There's a lot of stuff that can be put in it, and you pick one enemy unit, and everything in that battalion rerolls ones to hit against that unit. So it's a free command point. It's all these free command points. It's just it's just efficient. It's good. It's good. Um, I like it, dude. Um, I mean, it's much more combat than I would have expected coming out of KO. I st- I've still never seen a KO-focused combat. Um, and if I they are, they're, they're taking Gotrek or something crazy. Are they going in the other, is it uh, Thrung or Thring? Thring. Or whatever, the one that allows you to take Duarden, right? They can bring in some Fire Slayers, bring in some uh, Gotrek and that type of, that's how they bring their, their melee. Yeah, and, and, and some Hell Cannons, you know, just in case you want some Chaos. I can't, I remember that. We were talking about that in the Faction Focus where you can bring Duarden and it allows you to bring the Hell Cannons. Because the Hell Cannon has the Duarden keyword. Not that you would ever do it in a competitive list, but if you wanted to go for best army, like taking three hell cannons and a gargant in your order list is a good way to do it. You can. Because you can. What, um, I mean, based on your experience with these lists in the current meta, again, you've been playing at a bunch of tournaments. You and I are going to be going up Queensland very, very soon to another tournament. Um, and obviously, you know, the meta is changing. You know, we've got Gargans on the table, Lumineth's just dropping their second uh, update to their book. you got Seraphon Ghosts you know, dominating. With, Ghosts are back with three chariots and a Gargan for some reason. Well, it yeah, was the shout, top shout, death shout, shout out to that guy who ran three black coaches and a mega Gargan ally. That was just amazing. 
but what are you building around? Like, what are you thinking? What, what are some of the things you're thinking about when you're preparing for tournaments in the current meta? So at the moment, still, I'm, I'm using, I'm going to be using something along the lines of that Zilfin list because Zilfin is just so good uh, above and beyond everything else in that book. And the thing I'm kind of changing depending on meta is that, that, that hero choice. So do I want to go anti-magic or do I want to go anti-shooting? Um, I found a lot of the shooting at the moment in the meta doesn't revolve around you don't have to hit and wound. It, you don't have to make the full attack sequence with the shooting attack with a lot of armies, with Seraphon, with Lumineth. They're here just fishing for those fives and sixes. Yeah, so, uh, Lumineth are definitely fishing for the mortals. You've got your skinks who are doing all the mortals on the retreat. Yeah, so it, the Neg Wonder hit doesn't really affect those armies. It's still effective against snakes and ko who need to hit and need to wound to do the majority of their damage but against those armies i'm i haven't really found it to be that good so for the most part in my i, I think i'm going to go back to more of an anti-magic focus just because we're seeing a lot of lumineth right now and we're going to be seeing a lot more lumineth in a couple of weeks time yeah i was going to say I, I feel in the current meta anti-magic is probably more powerful than anti-shooting uh at least for the impacts that you're trying to bring because not everyone is bringing a really strong shooting dominance to the table it's only a select few um yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm thinking about that i'm, I'm always thinking they look scanning new books for new ways that they can teleport and try to outmaneuver around me because, again, KO don't have very many bodies, so it's relatively easy to maneuver around them. Um, if, if, you can hit, if you can get into a space of the board that they don't control, like you can really just lock them out of that board section and keep them kind of boxed in. So I, I always keep a lookout for armies that, um, that have a lot of bodies and that can move a lot. Like I, I played against a Beast of Chaos army in that last tournament. I've never played against Beasts of Chaos, and he comes and he's like, so I've got these models, yeah. and they can come from all over the board. I'm like, oh, yeah. God, that doesn't sound very good. And they can summon more from the side. If it's Gavespawn, you can then bring models. Uh, so so what, are the, what are the types of armies at a tournament you would like to avoid if possible? Is it Horde armies? Is it... Yeah. Um, horde, strong armor save Horde armies that can be with, with teleporting. Or um, just that's slaves of darkness uh, terrify me every time I play them. Especially uh, a guy up here in SA who's really good with those uh, chaos knights who will get them everywhere. And then if I want to shoot them, they they've got all these these saves and they they'll survive a turn. Um, Idneth are always uh, a worry just because they force they choose what I shoot. Yeah, you've got, to shoot, you've, got to shoot the clo- you've got to shoot the closest model and those Ishalan guard eels are going to ignore Ren. So they, they're usually on a two-up armor save because they're uncovered. They've got the turtle save. So they could be re-rolling ones as well with the command point. Yeah, I can usually get around the Cloud of Midnight because that's one model that has it. So there'll usually be a, some way to move my units to shoot something that isn't the guy with the Cloud of Midnight, but it's still... He picks generally what I shoot. I can't 
shoot over the top of his head and tap something in the back that's supporting all of his army. I have to fight him at his strongest, which is not what KO want to do. Is there um, any other other armies like? I mean, we just came back from Vic GT, which had a very strong destruction meta. What are your thoughts on things like Beasts of Chaos, like your Beasts of Chaos, um, Beast Claw Raiders, like lots of Stone Horns, uh, or your your orcs um, with like more crushes or mega gargants? Stone Horns, I'm pretty okay with. I've mashed up against Stone Horn guy, and it was just that lack of screens that let my my units basically pick up whatever they wanted. I could get all of my firepower, my 12-inch, my 9-inch. Every bit of damage that I could get was going against his stone horns. And in my first turn, I killed... He had five... Um, he had one stone horn, four thunder tusks, and I killed three, three and a half out of those five cows in, in one turn. Ooh. It was kind of like... It was a half-hour game. That was That was the kind of negative player experience that that we had that i had at that because I, I guess you've got the tools to shoot down lord croak from the backfield right um uh it's harder than you'd think i mean he's he gets up to such a like he can he can cast himself to a two up after to a two, two up armor save with a four up after with a four up after save and 18 wounds, I think, if he's got five of those Saurus guards. He always has the bodyguards. He's always got the Ashlith bearer. He's always got the uh, the five uh, is it Saurus guard. Um, Saurus guard. Yeah, he's so always got that. If, if I mean, if I find a cloak without Saurus guard, I'll kill him. But 18 wounds with a two-up save and four-up after, with at, at, and the amount that Seraphons can screen you out with their 15 billion skinks, so again, a hard matchup because they will just flood all over the board, and I'll be kind of boxed in in like very small corners that I can get to. Um, I find it really hard to get to to do enough damage to Cloak to kill him in one turn, and then if you if you anything you send to kill Cloak that doesn't kill Cloak, it's going to get microwaved by Cloak. Yeah, Comet's Call and all the good stuff. So you need to be able to take him down in one go. Because rerollable saves isn't going to do anything against mortal wounds. Last question from Ekron, and uh, this has been awesome, by the way. Thank you for all the insights. But if I'm an opponent listening to this video, and I'm going to throw a dog a bone to everyone who's listened to this who's not a KO player, and they're sitting here going, how do I beat you? How do I beat Karajan Overlords? What advice would you give me, the, the non-Karajan Overlords player? How do I beat you? I just... Remember your screens and remember your me your me your measurements. No, uh, you be aware of what what of the amount of movement KO can do. Re um, remember, like know their threat ranges, which is twelve and eighteen, and screen appropriately for that. Screen for a twelve inch. Keep your models nine inches behind, at least nine inches behind your front screen, um, and just. Cover as much of the board as you can. Play the objective game. KO cannot play the objective game uh, unless they've uh, until after they've wiped out your entire force. You play objective game from turn one and just cap those points. I'm going to wipe your army eventually, but I'm not going to outscore you. So if I can keep a lead up and try to get to about turn three, and maybe I win the priority in turn three. That could be the difference between me winning. Yes, you might delete my army, 
but I've scored enough. I've scored enough points where it's become too hard for you to um, to catch up. For sure, yeah. And yeah, just screening. Yeah, just I think screening. I think the, I think the screening one's interesting, especially with some of those things that like pre that that might move and like you know might. Things like shadow stalkers or uh, shadow warriors, or you know, getting your um, aether wings in, or the uh, untamed beasts, or anything like you know, even the the new jaws of Mork or squig ability allows you to to move for free up um, the board at the start of the game. So anything I can do to keep you away from those key things that are going to hit you, um, that's what I'm hearing. I need to do. Yeah, Ko, um, they're just really good at exploiting your opponent's mistakes. So unfortunately, you're going to have to play a pretty flawless game against KO. Or they will, if you, like, any gap will be filled with an ironclad. But if you can, if, if you can just make sure everything is, is mapped out and there is no gap, there are no gaps, and all I can shoot at is your little 10-man squads of marauders or skinks or witch elves, and then you counterattack, that that'll that'll smash KO. Yeah, and if if KO continues to be strong at the tables, um, you need to start thinking. Like I'm looking at Davis in the chat right now, and Davis said, you know, KO is is hard for him to to win, um, especially with his ogres. His iron jaws are able to hold up, but the ogres. This then might allow you to uh, to bring in Noblars again, cheap battle line. Um, there might be some things like, you know, Gloom Spike gets getting the uh, the Spore Splatter Fanatics that block. Oh, no, actually, that wouldn't work. Like, anyway, regardless, the point would be is just, you know, you might need to rethink your list and how you can get those cheap bodies, those cheap screens, um, you know, some things that protect you to push you forward, to, to increase that movement, to increase the board control, or even some things that take your models off the off the board for a little bit and then come in when you want to go. Yeah, yeah. You, you just you, you keep your 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 hammer safe. Yeah. From what I can do. Yeah, yeah. So you take taking even off the board, right? You know, we're having like a prime on the side of the board, or something comes in on reserve, or you know, whatever it might be. But keeping uh, those Ideneth eels off for the the night haunt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, Underworld's a great example with your Night Haunt. Again, there's so many ways you could do it, but this has been awesome. I have learnt a lot. I think a lot of people have learnt a lot, and it's good to hear how you're thinking about Courage and Overlords, but also as an opponent, how you're thinking so I can potentially adapt. Because I think right now a lot of people are struggling with KO. They play a very different game to a lot of other players, and how do I beat Courage and Overlords? I think we've heard what makes a, an army work, where the power's coming from, um, and some of the ideas that I can do to be able to essentially counterpunch. I need to be able to absorb a hit and hopefully force you to shoot the things that I'd, that you don't want to shoot, the chaff, the cheap bodies, yeah. and in return punch you just as hard, if not harder, uh, on the way out. So They will... Uh... Yeah, hard enough punch, KO will fall. Get get enough Rend 2, Rend 1 in there. Not much you can do, uh, not much the Thunderers can do. If you can, so the Thunderers are the big defensive bonus that make 2 to hit. So I'll have the Fumigators up the front, which you can't do much against, and there'll be that Chemist hiding just behind the front row. If you can snipe him off, then, um, that's like half of that Neg 2 is gone. That's just Neg 1. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, that's um, it from me. Is there any, any shout-outs you want to make? Uh, again, you're basically on YouTube every weekend on Aethercast, so uh, very cool KO-focused podcast. You guys talk about all things. There's always an interesting topic. I always tune in when I get a chance to listen. But uh, any shout-outs, anything you want to say before we kind of bring things home? Um, yeah, just I guess, yeah, if you want to know more about the different barracks and all the different kind of lists you can do, we've gone into more of a deep dive on Ethercast, on on all the barracks and anything we can possibly do. We even tried to figure out now. We made a we made one of the um uh the the grand the big grand admiral. He's he's terrible. We we tried. We tried to find a way to fit him in. Have you found a they, way to bring Brock in? Is I love Brock, Brock and his wonderful That's top what hat. I'm talking about. Like surely there's a way we can get Brock and his top hat into Age of Sigmar. It's a if we can bring Sloppy Bar Piper in with the new Broken Realms rules, we can find a way. Hey, all the vampires are all fashionistas right now. Surely Top Hat Dwarf Man can can fit on the Vogue cover with all of those vampires. Show him up. Well, he'll beat him in a fashion contest, but that's about it. Um, no, we we, we we've tried. There are lists in there that have Brock. I can't say that they're going to be any good, but they'll do something. Okay, they'll do something. <laughs> you still can't make it work. All right, guys. Kron, you've been awesome. Alex Kron, he's amazing. Um, I can't wait to hopefully avoid you at Brizhammer because my Mega Gargans will not have a good time. We have no screens. Uh, oh. Be kind to me if we meet. Um, tough meta up there. I'm I'm. I'm I'm going to be. I'm scared from game one already. That's all right. We'll, we'll smash them. Us, us, us Westerners, us Southerners will come up and uh, take over those Queenslanders. But guys, thank you. Let's wrap this up for like the seventh time. Cron, uh, you're amazing. Eight the cast. Go check them out uh, and go listen to all the wonderful wisdom that um, they are dropping on a weekly basis. But uh, it's peace been out. Fantastic to have to be on. Gotcha. Thanks, everybody. I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up. And if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members. So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you want to know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with a link to the Discord server, so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.